This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Bonaire, powered by Ameren, Illinois. Hi, this is Mike Claiborne, and thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. And before we go any further, I'd like for you to take a listen to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's their vice president of gas operations, Eric Kozak. <laughs> That's right, I said gas operations because they're more than just an electric company. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas customers do you have in the state 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so. a big number. It is. It's a, it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois. And, our, and me and my coworkers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs is served by Ameren, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles. It's bigger than the state of Indiana. That's a lot of coverage, and so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Ameren, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do. Yes, it is, uh, Mike. You know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Ameren, a lot of people think electricity, but Ameren, Illinois is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state, 12 uh, storage fields and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers. That, that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage. So give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill. Yeah, so I, you know, the easiest way for me to describe that is, uh, you know, I built a house about 10, 12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace. I have a, that heats my home, obviously. I have a gas water heater. I have a natural gas dryer. I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace, which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas. Yeah, I'm you're cooking with, with gas, right. Hi, everybody. Mike Claiborne here. We're going to talk a little baseball today with baseball columnist, the national columnist for the USA Today. He is Bob Nightingale. And Bob, first of all, Late in the week, the players and the owners got together and they got some things ironed out uh, in the event that if we do have a season. We'll have some things already decided. So give us a, an idea of exactly what they did and why it works. Well, if, <clears throat> they certainly want to make you know, provisions in case there's no season. So what they did was say, hey, we'll uh, give everybody, we'll give $170 million upfront money, uh, which means anybody on a guaranteed contract We'll get three hundred thousand uh, dollars, pay bills and that sort of thing. In return, you know that they uh, they cannot sue Major League Baseball for lost earnings or anything like that. So in exchange for that, the players get full service time. So everybody will get you know move a year closer to free agency, move a year closer to salary arbitration. So you know uh, the one big example stands out is a guy like Mookie Betts. Here's the Dodgers that trade for Mookie Betts in the eve of spring training. And it's very possible he's a, uh, a free agent without ever playing a single day for the Dodgers. So Dodgers made the trade and got you know absolutely nothing in return. Uh, Francisco Lindor, the great shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, maybe now you know Cleveland only has him for you know one more year. So maybe now they have no choice but but to trade him uh, you know next winter. And the big thing with with games is like both sides agreed, hey, we'll go ahead and play uh, regular season games in October uh, and have a playoffs in november right up to uh 
Thanksgiving weekend, uh, they could have a World Series. So I think everybody's in, in agreement, like, no matter how long it takes, let's at least get a half a season in here. You know, what's interesting about this whole situation is um, <clears throat> this deal was off the table last week. What put it back on the table? And, and I guess this, this is the one thing that pushed everything over the goal line. Yeah, I, I think just the uh, with the owners finally saying, okay, you got a year's service time. That that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it, it's unfair to keep these guys, you know, back back a year. Uh, you know, not in baseball, of course. And so, yeah, and so now it's like a uh, particularly guys who are eyeing free agency. Uh, you know, you, you move closer to that. And let's be honest, some of these teams wanted that as well. I mean, if you're a uh, you know Detroit Tigers, you don't want to <clears throat> you know pay. Miguel Cabrera, another year in that contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco got, Giants have some aging veterans. Uh, you know, say the uh, uh, Angels with Albert Pujols, you know, still has two more years. They don't want to just keep pushing all the contracts back. So, in your opinion, who were the winners here, and who had the most at stake? Because I, I would imagine the TV networks probably have a, a sigh of relief with, with if this thing is able to come about where we do play baseball. Well, I think, yeah, just I think just the fans are probably the biggest winners because now you know they're doing everything possible to squeeze in as, as many games. You know, whether it's playing, you know, more than three weeks in a row without a day off, whether it includes a doubleheader a week or doubleheader every ten days, probably expand the roster to twenty nine players at at the outset. And I think just you know want to do everything they can. Uh, and hey, if they prevent mass gatherings, I still think they'll have the games in front of no fans as long as it takes. So then at least the owners get their TV money, the players get their salaries. Give me an idea of what you think the schedule would look like. You mentioned uh, they would play well in October and, and certainly November. Uh, the doubleheader, something you and I grew up on, but we haven't seen them unless there's some sort of weather issue. Give me an idea of what that's going to look like because you're going to have some players, as you mentioned, that won't get a lot of days off. So how's that going to work? Well, I think they'll lose some split doubleheaders, so at least those two gates – and, uh, you know, that way every, everybody's happy uh, sort of thing. Uh, I also think just the, uh, you know, just the fact that they're going to play, play as long as they can. I mean, they're not going to play until Christmas, but they'll play up until uh, uh, Thanksgiving and, uh, it, and do it just to make sure there's some semblance of a season. I, 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 don't, I think they're talking about right now, if, if everything went perfect, you'd open the season on June 1st. I don't think, I think it's a little unrealistic. That's the greatest hope. Otherwise, I think you could be seeing maybe even July Fourth weekend. In July Fourth weekend, you you still have a uh, you know all of July, August, September, October. So four months, you know, and approximately you know close to thirty games. So it's still a hundred twenty game season. And then what you do is a uh, so you pick up right where where we're supposed to start anyway with the schedule. And then October they would have to change some things and say, okay, let's say uh, you start playing your uh, interdivision. Uh, opponents make up games there so they can make it a little bit more balanced so someone doesn't have a great scheduling fluke uh and also i i do believe mike we'll see expanded playoffs baseball was talking about doing this anyway i think we'll see a couple more wild cards in, in each league well, it certainly would create interest in some a lot a lot more cities i guess the other question that would come into play here is what are you going to do weather-wise because we know that you may have issues. Minnesota's a good team. I see them being in postseason. Obviously, St. Louis has got a shot, and you're going to have some teams that 
the weather can be a little dicey, certainly in late October, if not November. So I know there's been some discussion about moving games to different venues, whether warm weather, weather cities or perhaps uh, dome cities. Give me an idea of how you think that might shake out. I think what they try to do is move it to a uh, city that's close enough proximity where their own fans can drive there. Mm-hmm. So, like so Milwaukee said, would be a place. Right, right. So you're going to say Minnesota Twins. Go ahead, you know, for the, for the Twins fans, hey, they can drive to Milwaukee very easily and, and, and play games there. Uh, you know, even a neutral site World Series, you know, I'm not sure ready for that. I, I, I think it would be unfair, say, the Dodgers in the World Series. You know, why not still play those home games at Dodger Stadium? Then if it's yet they're playing, you know, the Twins, you, you have it somewhere else. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, unless, unless there's two cold weather cities involved, I don't think they want just a, a straight neutral site World Series. You know, yeah, and I guess you have some some dome cities. We mentioned Milwaukee, Detroit's available to you, Seattle's available to you. You've got some places north that would certainly be able to accommodate you, but I guess that's something they'll worry about down the road. All right, here, here's something for you. You know, the, the players and the owners are already rolling up their sleeves in the event for next year's CBA negotiations. How much do you think having a chance to sit down now and address this current issue will help them going into next year? And do you think they'll start talking a little earlier? Yeah, no, I think it was a, a, a big benefit, you know, talking to uh, Tony Clark the other day. You know, Tony had mentioned that, hey, this this should help out negotiations because they sh- you know, both sides show they can get something done. You know, there's a little bit of a deadline there because they want to get done before what would have been their normal opening day. Uh, so I, I think this helps big time where before I think there was a, a greater fear of a, uh, of a work stoppage, two sides not agreeing on CBA. Now I think with just all the panic, you know, with, with no games, no revenue coming in, that you know, I think there's more optimism than ever that they'll work out a new CBA. You know, we're talking about billionaires and millionaires with regard to owners and players. Um, what would they have to negotiate or what would be something to go to war over next year with regard to a CBA? Well, I think the big thing is, uh, you know, players not getting their money that they should early on. You know, if you're going to keep a guy, you know, a few years in the minor leagues, then six years of free agency, you know, there's like, you know, nine years, you probably start making, you know, some, you know, really big money. I think, you know, say, say the case of the St. Louis Cardinals with Jack Flaherty, you know, Flaherty, if he was on the open market, would probably be making $25, $30 million a, a year. You know, uh, so I think they want to make sure these guys get taken care of a little bit earlier that he should not be making the minimum wage in baseball just because they, uh, just because he's, you know, young and, and, and experienced, you know, with, with a talent like that. So I, I think they want to at least raise the uh, minimum or, or create something. So some of these guys are, are taken care of at, at an early age. You know, you, you look at a guy like a, uh, a Josh Hader from Milwaukee Brewers. He kind of started off a, uh, a little later as far as his, his dominance. But, you know, with his you know, salary being kept down, Milwaukee, you know, can use him as much as they want. And, and by the time he's a free agent, <laughs> yeah. you know, he you know, doesn't have that value. Yeah. And you know, he's a classic example uh, the way they run him out there, by the time he's a free agent, everybody would have already kicked the tires on him and probably his best games, his best part of his career is already behind him. So it, it makes a lot of sense uh, with regard to that. What other issues do you think they would probably frown at, at when they sit at the table? Yeah, then the whole uh, 
you know, that's the service time clock starting, you know, where teams don't have to keep a guy down for two or three weeks just because they're worried about that. Mm-hmm. You know, teams can still call up a guy in September and not worry about that. Uh, so maybe uh, they'll maybe they'll start the clock earlier on, on arbitration, you know, maybe even move, uh, you know, free agency up a little bit. But I, I think that's the biggest thing is, is just the, uh, you know, the young talented players, you know, they shouldn't be, uh, you know, squeezed money-wise. Uh, just because the system calls for that. Who speaks for the minor leaguers in this situation? Because they're they're not part of the the players' association, the major league players' association. And I think if anybody peels off the first layer of the book of the minor leaguers, they realize these guys are barely making minimum wage, if that much. Yeah, I mean, there's minor leaguers now. Uh, you know, working for Uber Eats, Uber that sort of thing. You know, they can't get a full time job because they don't you know, they don't know when baseball starts up again. And so, yeah, no one's really speaking up for the uh, minor league guys except for maybe the, the, their own agents. You know, a young guy can't pop off either without having reprimanded, uh, you know, from his own organization. So, you know, even even the college guys or the uh, the amateurs in this negotiation, hey, they're going to get squeezed. There's going to be more kids now going to school and not going to professional baseball because it's not going to be worth it to them economically. Hey, Mike Claiborne here, and by the way, thanks for listening to ClaibsOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right. They're not just an electric company. They're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem, what are some of the problems and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual, perhaps an explosion of some sort. So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain? Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, call 811. Because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call. So that's the main issue is people calling 811 before you dig so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for 811. <laughs> in a situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit on a gas line? You know, I if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in, you know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge, ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's, that's the main thing is. And have your equipment checked out, and it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free. We're visiting with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. Bob, um, now that we've got some sort of labor agreement, does a team have it? Is there a team out there that's going to have a little bit more of an advantage when we do start playing baseball? I know some people feel like the warm weather city teams might have uh, better opportunities, but everybody's kind of scattered right now. So is there an advantage to be held somewhere? 
Well, I, I think, you know, uh, if you look at all 30 teams, it's got to help out the Houston Astros the most. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if, if there's no fans, you know, no one to boo them. And even if they are, do play in front of fans, you know, are people really going to take it that seriously? Like, okay, we got better things to you know, focus our anger on, you know, rather than a team stealing some signs. It yeah. also allows that guys, you know, like a Justin Verlander gets healthy. Uh, hey, the Yankees weren't going to have John Carlos Stanton or Aaron Judge open the season with them or James Paxton, their pitcher. So by the time the season starts, those guys will all be healthy. And the Boston Red Sox are pretty happy that this thing has kind of been uh, over, over, you know, basically overridden their situation. Although the commissioner said before the season starts, he will have something to say about their their predicament. So I guess they they won't get off scot free. No, it'll, it'll be a much lighter you know penalty than what the Astros got, and there's no whistleblower in this case, so they can all get together and say, hey, we did nothing. And uh, you know, prove that we did. So and, and I don't know when the right time is to announce that penalty. I'm sure they'd like to do it maybe just right before baseball starts up, or at least you know, doing their next spring training. Uh, you know, I, I do believe in the scheduling wise too, Mike. I, I don't see uh, teams going back to their spring training sites. I think teams will just work out of their home cities. So because it's cool for you know Cardinal fans to you know go to Bush Stadium and and, and watch the team work out. Uh, you know, the spring training is coming to them because, you know, they'll be, be perfectly fine weather throughout the country. They don't, have to, yeah. they don't need to go to Arizona and Florida. Well, you know, well, so here's the next question on that front. Do you think we'll see exhibition games between the Cardinals and the Royals, or do they save those games to really kick off the season and, and get, some, get as many games in with the shortest period of travel time involved? Yeah, I think you just get the games in. Like, I mean, you could say maybe one exhibition game, two maximum, that's it. And uh, yeah, save save the real stuff where they where the players get paid and you know, the owners get their TV revenue and everything else. How much? So, do you, I, I can't see more than I can't see more than two exhibition games. How much do you think the schedule will change, or do you think they'll just pick it up from from there? Because the Cardinals have a pretty lucrative month of July that involves the New York Yankees and the Chicago Cubs. It's a pretty good home schedule, and I know that a lot of people would certainly look forward to still being part of that. So, do you think they'll change the schedule a great deal? Or do you think they'll just play it as it is and then try to add games on the back end? Yeah, just pick it up where, where you know where we're supposed to be, then add those games on. Uh, you know that way to try to make it as fair as possible, have some more you know divisional opponents in there. You know it's like the uh, what I think the Cardinals were supposed to play the Dodgers seven times and uh, by April fifteenth or sixteenth, mm-hmm. and obviously now they won't you know they won't play them at all. That sort of thing. Now, I think that's why they'll also expand their. Uh, playoff roster or the uh, the postseason schedule just to make sure that someone doesn't get left out that should be there. It also helps out teams. You know, the beauty about baseball is always there's never a fluke that makes the playoffs because it's such a long season. You know, now we got a chance to see a couple of flukes in there. You know, I think the Pittsburgh Pirates were only half a game out of a playoff first last year at the All Star break. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. that that sort of thing. You know, all you have to do is get hot, man. And I think we've seen it in postseason as well. If you get in, anything can happen. So this, you know, while obviously there are a lot of changes that have come about, but this could be the most intriguing season we've seen in a long time because the other thing, Bob, you got a lot of managers and general managers and analytic people who have had more time to think themselves into a really big headache. They're going to certainly be overplaying this thing to the point where somebody's going to be a little too smart for his britches and it might cost them. 
Yeah, you know, also I think it's going to help out some of these young pitching staffs, like when these teams, uh, like Oakland, for instance, Oakland Hayes has some tremendous young guys, but, you know, they weren't going to ride those guys for 200 innings. Now you don't have to. You know, now we're just, you know, short blows. So, uh, you know, like you said, a guy gets hot, you know, a pitcher gets hot, you know, just just, just keep running him along. So I, th- I, think it may, I think it may help out some of the teams that have more youth, just because I think the schedule will be brutal once it opens up. As far as all the days I'll play uh, straight, uh, you know, no breaks in the travel as far as having a day off, going from uh, west to east, that sort of thing. It's going to be fun. Bob Nightingale, as always, we thank you for your time. Uh, Bob Nightingale, folks, writes for the USA Today, and you can read his work on a regular basis. Robert, thanks for your time, and the next time we talk, hopefully we'll be closer to saying play ball. <laughs> Look forward to it. Thanks, man. All right, he's Bob Nightingale. I'm Mike Claiborne.